This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara Yosei rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing. So before we start getting into the conversation of today's topic about Japan, uh, we got two Adams on the line. How do you guys think I should address you? <laughs> should we use the same names we got over there? Yeah, I think we should, just for fun. Yeah, why not? It's our deal. So it's <laughs> Adam Trahan, Adam's son, and... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Adam Chan. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what that's what they gave us. <laughs> okay, so for our listeners today, we're just getting getting on the conversation started here about uh, Adam Trahan and Adam Clagg's uh, recent visit to Japan, and in Japanese, uh, there's honorific titles essentially, and usually, uh, you know, when you're talking to somebody. You know, with more experience, you address them as son or, you know, more respectful kind of uh, name. So Adam's son is going to be Adam Tran. And Adam Chan is the younger Adam. You know, usually <laughs> Chan is kind of like uh, there's been multiple ways that people have explained it to me, but essentially just somebody a little bit younger. And, and I'm sure if uh, Adam Claggs was there by himself, he would have been addressed as son, but he was the yeah. younger one. So you get the chunk. Yeah, they, they said it had something to do also with personality that, that sometimes more playful or whatever gets exactly. John, uh, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> kind of like little Adam, you know. <laughs> it's a, exactly. like a cute way of addressing <laughs> people. Yeah, um, but very, uh, very kind of uh, kind as well. It's not in any ways disrespectful. It's just uh, friendly. Uh, so we got Adam's son and Adam Clangs on the yep. line here, and you know, let's uh, let's get started on this conversation. So you guys recently went to Japan. Um, and by the way, this is the first time I'm ever doing, you know, a, uh, three-way phone call, you know, a conversation. So hopefully you'll go smoothly here, but it's always a little tricky. So um, for, for fun, I'm in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Adam's yeah. son, Adam Trahan. Yeah. And with a better introduction too, I should probably introduce you guys a little bit more, but I'll probably have you talk to you about yourselves too. But Adam Tran has the website Tenkara Fisher. It's tenkara-fisher.com. And that's where you can find like a good forum of people and good reports and that kind of thing. Adam Claggs, do you have a website? I think you do, right? Uh, yeah, I have a blog. It, it's more of a personal journal, but I, it looks like a few people read it, and uh, it's just called Of Rock and Riffle. Yes, uh, that, I was trying to remember that. It's uh, Yeah, I, I did read that. Sorry about that. It's, no, uh, it's fine. It's, it's about backpacking and fishing. It's not only Tenkara fishing. Yeah, no, there's been some good posts in there. So tell me, guys, when were you in Japan? So today we're talking here September 29th. Uh, when were you guys out uh, visiting Japan? Go ahead, Adam. 
I, I got there a little earlier on the 10th and then Adam arrived the day or so after me and we met up like 24 or 48 hours later. I just did some tourism for fun. Uh, things like a cat cafe or an owl cafe, you know, the fun things Japan has to offer. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we met up and, and we saw a rod maker uh, on the 11th and then our trip lasted until the 21st. We did so much or the 20th right around there. Wow, yeah, that's a good good long trip. Um, and Adam Chan, is that was that your uh, first time to Japan, or had you been there before? For for me, this is the second trip. Last year, I went in March, and I uh, had gotten to link up with Go Ishii and a bunch of his friends uh, to fish in Nara. But I was there very early in March, so I, I couldn't get a prime season fishing experience. So I was really psyched to get back there and see Japan again and fish again there. And Adam Chan, uh, Adam Tran, got it. Uh, that was your was that your second trip or in uh, second or second uh, Tenkata trip? Um, I have been once before when I was in the military. So second dedicated Tenkata trip. And when was your uh, your first one again? Has it been a couple of years now? Yeah, in uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Oh wow! Yeah. Three years. I went already. for uh, two weeks. Mm-hmm. So both of you guys have been to Japan a couple of times. And this time, I mean, you kind of, uh, you know, I, I know Adam Sun started making the plans a little while ago. Uh, and I actually kind of wanted to join, but I couldn't, unfortunately. Uh, how did you guys connect and end up on this trip together? Well, actually, I, you know, it was mostly uh, Adam Sun's doing. Uh, I, you know, I think I got kind of lucky here getting invited because uh, I was available and, and timing worked out for me. Um, but also, you know, I, I think um, uh, there had been uh, some interest in, in trying to get a few other Americans over to see what it's all about and to maybe meet Sabata and others. And I, I think I just pulled the lucky ticket sort of thanks to uh, Adam and, and Keiji for that. Pretty much that's how it went. Um, you know, I he has uh, different circles than I do. And, you know, there's the, the first time I went pretty much by myself and uh, and came back and it was great. But, you know, I really wanted to have uh, the experience to share with uh, someone else. And, it you know, it takes it takes dedication and money and t- time planning and uh Adam Chan had everything that it took to go. So we met up in Tokyo and, you know, started our adventure. Yeah. Some of the credit goes to you too, Daniel, actually, because we, we sort of uh, hung out in person for the first time at your summit last year. So uh, we kind of got to know each other then. And that's what made me know it would, it would probably be a great travel duo. Right. Nice. Yeah. yeah that, that was, was a, true. that was a fun summit. Yeah. I remember you guys hanging out for a little bit. That was a, Fun event with some whiskey flowing at certain points. <laughs> and, and talking about whiskey, I, I did have a note to make sure to talk about food, but uh, maybe I'll just bring that up right now because uh, actually Adam son, Adam Tran, uh, last time we talked a little bit about sake, I believe. And uh, mm-hmm. and I know there's like all these beautiful images of you guys in Japan. And I was so jealous. And like some oh, of it was like some good amount of sake passing around. <laughs> <laughs> and... Well, fi- was- fishing in Japan is definitely code word for drinking sake and mm-hmm. up with good friends. And I believe you guys both share a little bit of that passion, uh, you know, for sake. And Adam Sun uh, has been talking about uh, sake for quite some time. Yep. Yep. Um, what? How was the sake this time, Adam Sun? 
Um, it was excellent. Um, uh, Adam Chun has a good uh, palate for uh, Jun Mai and Genjo. So I just, you know, drink what everybody else is drinking. But in this case, he, he sort of led the way in uh, picking out some good uh, tastes. And then when uh, Ishi-san got, uh, you know, on board and we went shopping, he sort of led us through it. And uh, when uh, we got up to uh, the Bancho, you know, it was just everywhere. So I th- I, don't, I forgot how many Magnums we bought. I think it was like four or five or something like that. Yeah, and that, that was the first run. I, yeah, the first run. Uh, took us to the nice sake shop and he let me, you know, I, I knew only a couple of them that I picked and he picked the rest and, and they were nice. And then when, you know, when we got up there, we picked some more, whatever was available at that point. So, and we already have some Japanese words kind of flowing around here. Adam son, can you tell us, or one of you guys maybe can, can you tell us what the, so we got, we talked about the styles of uh, sake, the Jumai and Ginjo. What are uh, those, uh, sake names adam chun this is your so there's there's all different types of uh of sake and basically there's grades and so words uh in japanese that people know for those grades are jun mai which means no alcohol added uh ginjo has to do with the milling of the rice so they they take the original rice and they mill off the outside to get to the good stuff inside and then there's dai ginjo which takes that a step further and mills it down more and then there's other words that that will indicate okay how how do they actually ferment it uh and and it gets more confusing from there so probably takes a whole lesson but uh but it was great we got to try pretty much all the different kinds it was a pleasure And Adam Claggs, Adam Chan, I, uh, so like I was actually in New York City earlier this year and we hung out in a really good Japanese restaurant and we ended up having a lot of sake. And you, why do you know so much? Can you tell our listeners how, uh, what your background is? Yes, I, I, so I sell wine and our company also sells sake and Madeira and port and other things. So I, I learned about it that way. And that's my first. Uh, connection to Japan was more through sake. Uh, I, I knew about Tenkara, but I, you know, I didn't get to go until I got involved with sake. So that was uh, integral for me too. Nice. So that sounds like a really good combination of things coming together for you there. Uh, oh really yeah. Cool. And uh, Adam San, you uh, also talked about bansho for a second there. What is a bansho? Sure. Um, it is a essentially what I was taught, it was a guardhouse between like, um, counties or provinces. And, uh, as people traveled, uh, they would either go through the, um, bancho or check in and a couple of, couple of, uh, samurai were, um, stationed at the bancho. And, uh, I believe it was 270 years old. Yeah. Um, I think- yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, a typical old Japanese uh, big home with, the you know, the sliding uh, paper doors and, you know, multi-story. This one has uh, two uh, irori, um, two of the indoor fire, you know, kitchens uh, and uh, just beautiful, gorgeous wood and um, always filled with smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, this is true. 
and they said it was important for for curing the wood and keeping the roof from uh, in the insects. Yeah, it was very interesting, and it could sleep probably they said around twenty people on a you know on a busy night uh, for the family, just including the family and their uh, either servants or um, workers at that time. That's amazing. Like I think some of my most memorable experiences have been to stay in like in some of these really old traditional Japanese homes that you kind of, I think yeah. our listeners can kind of imagine in their heads. You know, like maybe from watching The Last Samurai or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this I'll, I'll have to add. Yeah. That when you go to Japan, fishing is really secondary to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go there, you're just immersed in a different culture and it's a beautiful, clean, uh, culture. That's just quite enjoyable, uh, experience. So oh, yeah. the Bancho just put, you know, that setting was, uh, so fitting. Yeah. You know, this is a lifetime memorable trip. You know, I may go back, uh, you know, again and again and again, but I'll always remember this trip very sharply. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, the culture, the, the all the things that you can find in Japan from hot springs to foods to sake to the camaraderie with people are really right. the reason to go, not the not the fishing. But before we forget what uh, we're talking about here today, which it is fishing, <laughs> how yes. was the fishing this time, Adam's son? <laughs> um, it was explained to me in a scale of one to 10 that it was really only, you know, 25% or, or, you know, two and a half. It was just mm. the fishing wasn't, uh, the catching wasn't that good. The fishing is always excellent. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think everybody caught fish, uh, but it was just a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, on the two big fishing days, you know, I caught about it half a dozen on each day. So it was, um, you know, I was satisfied, but the, uh, our, our host, um, Keiichi son, he just said it was, you know, a little slow, mm-hmm. probably due mm-hmm. to the weather. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we got hit with some crazy weather. I mean, there must've been multiple typhoons and I don't know, eight to 10 earthquakes that happened while we were there. And, uh, wow. Yeah, so we were we were very lucky wherein we we got our fishing days in on the prime weather days. It really worked out for us, and I, I just makes me you know wonder if someone up there was looking out for us. <laughs> mm, that's lucky. Uh, so, how many days of fishing do you guys do total? I think we got two days of fishing. Yeah, two, two full days of fishing, exactly. And we we had a third, but it was just pouring, and it was like we all just kind of decided universally that we needed to just get out of the the river valley and and uh, get to the bancho. That is a story in itself. <laughs> a big, huge story. Well, we got a few minutes here. What's the yeah. story? <laughs> yeah, Adam, you you should talk about that. That was in, what, uh, happened. what happened. You know, uh, it rained, uh, and it rained pretty hard. And where I'm from, there are slot canyons, and you always have to be aware of the the weather, not only where you are, but, uh, you know, 20 miles away in the headwaters. So it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And we were under tarps, but I'm thinking, my head is where I'm from, and I'm thinking these steep uh, forested, you know, valley river stream is just going to rise. And we got to the point where we were at a couple of miles hiking, you know, through the stream, uh, you know, it's steep sided. So you had to go through the water and I'm thinking, you know, 
we're a long way from home and in two days I've got to be on a plane. So <laughs> I'm wondering about the water rising and, you know, the sake is flowing and our, uh, our hosts are not concerned, but inside my head, I'm pretty concerned because we've got a long journey home. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the water did rise um, and it did become a problem. And uh, Adam Chan, why don't you pick up from there? Yeah, so so it, it luckily didn't get as crazy as it would have in, in the slot canyons. But, but it came up to the point where we no longer could walk along the shore in a number of spots uh, easily nor cross. So we did cross some pretty deep stuff, you know, uh, waist, chest deep, fast moving water. Uh, people were there to help. And that's a big thing. Teamwork is huge. And many times people were there to to help have your back and tell you which way to go and where it was safe. And, you know, it, it, I never felt like uh, people weren't looking out for me. But, it, you know, there were moments where it's it's risky, uh, the kind of thing that you don't really do when you fish here as much. Right. Especially stuff I don't do when I'm alone, uh, which is what some of my trips are. So we, we were walking down the river and had forded a couple of difficult spots and finally came to one bend where there was no way to ford the raging river. So there was a, a quote, path up on a cliff, and we literally had to climb a, a pretty much more than 45-degree angle. Like, it was very vertical with crumbling ground to get to a decaying piece of rope, which only helped you for, like, five feet. And then you had to get over the crest of this tiny little hill thing uh, and then once you made that feat possible, you had to walk on a collapsing less than one foot wide, like your foot, not 12 inches wide, uh, quote, path that was also crumbling. It was harrowing, to say the least. And so I looked at it. I was like, OK, I may as well go up first after Mariamisan. So I just was like, oh, I just tried it and it was rough and I, I somehow made it thought I was going to fall a few times. Uh, but wow. yeah, we, we all helped each other up. They eventually strung a rope up and then everybody else was able to come up with a little bit of rope help. That did not uh, really take away the danger from more sections though. So it was, wow. it was interesting. <laughs> that's, uh, that's amazing. I'm just kind of imagining as you talked here, I'm just kind of imagining the situation, like, you know, with the heavy uh, kind of woods. I mean, the, the woods there are kind of dense. So I'm kind of assuming you guys are going through some... Yes kind of dense wooded area, climbing up some muddy kind of terrain. <laughs> raining packs, Rain. wow. uh, mud, you know, decaying trail, like you said. Now, was this a camping kind of trip or, uh, when you guys decided to walk out a couple of miles? Or is, yeah, it was, it was a backpacking trip. Oh, uh, so or... Keiichi style, uh, not that he, he didn't day fish at all, but his style was to go in with a group of friends this way. Uh, Akechi-san was telling us all about uh, how he normally likes to just bring a small group, you know, three people, maybe four. They, they go up for three, four days with their backpacks. They bring a bunch of delicious food. I mean, ultralight is out the window out there. My God. I felt guilty. You know, they were carrying stew pots and, you know, bags of potatoes. and Blue tarps. And, yes, which are called brushito, which I really loved. Uh, it's so direct. Um, and, and man, that all became our friend when we were up there. Uh, but that's how they do it. And it's about being with friends and drinking, uh, and, and then getting up and fishing during the day and then coming back and, and grilling some, some meat and, uh, eating some sashimi. Uh, it's great. Nice. So, so you did end up sleeping up there then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then the next day when you were planning to come out, it was pouring rain. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Water rising. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, it was great. Yeah, and those little canyons, I've seen the water rises, you know, like water rising in a couple of areas there because there's a lot of tiny little gorges that funnel the water into some areas. And then, you know, even below, like where you get into the main cities, like a lot of rivers are kind of channelized and the water yeah. can rise pretty fast. How were your, how were the hosts feeling? Were they like just no big deal or? Just no big deal. that's that's the their environment you know so they weren't um as a matter of fact they said where we were going was pretty easy for them Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. not much of a challenge (laughs) yeah they they were fast they were hopping up the rocks and uh, i do this at home quite a bit and you know i can spend a couple hours doing this but uh, they were they were faster than I was. I was having trouble keeping up, and they were they were so much better at it. I was learning a lot just from watching how they moved. It's it was quite interesting. Yeah, and you you guys were both thinking it was kind of a big deal, huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> me for sure. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, I'm kind of imagining. And uh, a couple of year, a few years ago, I planned to do a fair amount of camping there, and I wanted to go by myself a couple of times and. You know, at least once I ended up not even trying because it was pouring rain and it's, uh, you know, camping in the rain can be kind of uh, challenging. Like you have to have really good protection and, you know, make yeah. sure to stay warm. And were you guys comfortable at least like at nighttime? Was it raining at all or was it good it weather like at night? Pretty much the entire time. And we were very comfortable. It was cozy under the, you know, the big, huge uh, tarps. Uh, you string a tar or string a string between uh, two trees throw the tarp over it guide them out uh, blue tarps um, for your carpet so to speak take off your boots have uh, camp shoes and you know you try to keep it uh, clean on the on the floor um, but it's it's bigger than your you know laying out in your sleeping bag so you're relatively you're relatively dry uh, but you know there's if the the tarp is touching in a certain place or the seams aren't sealed, you know, the water will come through. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, you're out there and it's raining. And I remember about two o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get my phone out and uh, record it. And I mm-hmm. did. And I just mm-hmm. listened to it every once in a while. Right, so you can probably not see much, but you have the sound of rains that. Uh, right. Just it. pouring, beating on that tarp. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sounds like a, an incredible experience. And you camped yeah. out for one night or two nights? Just one. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, That's enough. Like Everything <laughs> is soaked. And then I carry yeah. an iPhone. I don't, uh, I don't put it in a, um, a case. I just keep it in my pocket. And I was, that was my main concern is all my data, all my uh, pictures, my recordings, my notes, Everything was in that iPhone, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it got fogged up. Uh-huh. But Japan wow. is the place of rice, so I got a bag <laughs> filled with rice and stuck my phone in there. It sucked the water out of the phone, and everything's fine. I see. What kind of fish were you catching there, Adam? Son, um, um, we we caught I- iwana. I do not know uh, what um, you know type of iwana it was, but it was iwana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurasan a, ended up getting one Yamame in the higher section of the stream the first day when we went, but it was very small. Like uh, above where I took a nap? Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. Okay. 
So there's and, pretty uh, much mostly be... Iwana and one Yamame, maybe. Um, yeah, mostly Iwana. And Adam Tran, Adam San, you found a chance to take a nap even with all the rain? <laughs> well, um, basically, I was exhausted. And uh, Ishii san, he kind of looked like he wanted to, you know, make sure I was going to be okay too. So we both uh, found a beach and just took a nap. And I think they went above maybe another half hour and turned around and came back. It was a welcome. I like to take a nap when I fish. And it was a good time for me to do so. so. I, I think that's particularly funny just because I was fishing last week and uh, here in Colorado. And the fishing was really good for a while. And then it completely shut down. And I had a couple of friends with me. And... You know, we had a couple of options, but I was like, you know, why don't we just take a nap and uh, see if the fish pick up in a couple of hours. And we, sure enough, we laid down and took a nice nap. And I was kind of thinking I should do a podcast episode about napping while fishing. Yeah. It was a <laughs> experience. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to push through it. I can't, I'm not much of a napper, uh, not that I don't want to be, but I, I'm not good at it. So I basically just was like, I'm going to, I'm going to push through and I, I bounded ahead with them and we, we covered a lot of distance quickly and hit a lot of pools. And it's a little nicer too, because you, you get to split the group up and then it, it makes it easier because it's, you know, worth actually mentioning how, how they fish there on a small stream like this as a group, you, you line up and take turns, you know, everybody's fair to each other. So you're a team and, you know, you put one person at point and then everyone gets a few pools or, or a fish caught or whatever it is. And then you go to the back of the line and you can kind of practice casting as you walk up. Um, and that's what they did. And it was really, really, really nice of them to give us point a majority of the time. Right. I mean, we were trying to be polite and give it up too, but but they were just very insistent about in certain places us being at points, so we got to catch fish, which was really nice of them. So I mean that that was like a huge honor. Yeah, that's uh, that's worth mentioning. I think I, I've noticed that a lot. I mean, you know, sometimes especially when the fishing starts getting a little bit better, you know, yeah, we'll kind of leapfrog and kind of start focusing right. on our own fishing. But especially when the fishing is a little slower, I've noticed that. Uh, you know, and, and they're being good hosts, you know, like wanting yeah. to make sure that we catch fish because they can catch it any other time. Um, but I've always appreciated how the Japanese have um, been very good and gracious about giving the head of the pool and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're, you know, it's it, it's worth mentioning too, I think, about the, the culture in general. I mean, the Japanese people are such a welcoming, uh, a helpful, like, kind people they want you to have a, a prime time they they know you know they think about the time you spent traveling and, and what it was like and all that stuff and and they they let that reflect in their actions which is you know it's it's a, a special thing it's not something you get everywhere uh, although i have experienced that in other places through tenkara as well so maybe part of that is the tenkara community too um, but it's it's very very nice to be treated so well when you're in a foreign place and you may not feel amazing all the time and you're tired and on a weird time zone uh, and then they can just snap you right back into that prime zone you're you're there you're having a great time and, and it's amazing and we uh, you're treated not sure. by rock stars yeah exactly yeah. like you don't know if you're dreaming or not you know and so that's a great thing to be able to experience that it's it's truly a once as adam said before definitely a once in a lifetime kind of thing with experiences you will remember for forever uh and i owe it all to many other people so thank you to all of them 
Yes. Yeah. So, like, tell me, uh, maybe Adam Sun can talk a little bit and uh, um, about who were you fishing with? Were they the same people that you fished with in thirteen or uh, no? Totally different group. Um, uh, Ishi San. He is. I, I would like to say I I probably consider him to be uh, number one Kankata ambassador as far as crossing different lines and and you know getting past politics and you know just taking uh uh tenkata fishers uh fishing and to different groups um with the different experts so he basically took time out of his schedule and uh ushered us around and um so the the trip really starts with uh go ishi and he brought us up to uh, uh, Tadami. Uh, I think it was like four hours by car, where we met um, Sabata-san and uh, Meruami-san. And uh, yeah, he's a photographer in Butters uh, Magazine. Right. Uh, Korasan mm-hmm. is Goishi's friend who, who I fished with last year with Go. And then we met Keiichi's crew. Uh, and Sabata's crew together. Yamano-san is a bamboo uh, rod maker. Um, just that's a story right there in itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keiji Ito, who is just uh, my family is indebted to him for taking care of me in some pretty rough spots. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- there was a you know a crew. What was it? Five, five of them who we uh, hung out with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sabata-san was our, uh, he sort of took care of us while we were in, you know, not fishing uh, by feeding us uh, and cooking, oh. you know, incredible meals of mushrooms and greens and uh, his plum wine that he made. Was he foraging uh, as you guys were there? Um, he was kind of hanging out in the uh, cabin and uh-huh. in the boncho. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah, had foraged a couple of days before we got there, and he, he yeah. had gotten us some maitake mushrooms, some gobo root, uh, this stuff that's um, that was uh, like a fern-like thing that's very bitter, that's almost like horseradishy that grows up high. Um, so that's uh, what we were eating when we were drinking the uh, plum wine? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so with so, all those names, and just uh, I'll take it just to kind of clarify to our listeners too. There's a lot of, uh, you know, some of the names might be familiar uh, to those of you who are listening. So Go Ishi, um, I actually did a podcast episode with them about a year ago uh, when he was here for the last Tenkara Summit last year in 2015. Sure. Uh, and I do agree, he's a tremendous ambassador for Tenkara over there. Right. Um, and here when he comes as well. And then Sebata-san is who a lot of the listeners will probably recognize immediately because of the Japanese conical hat that he wears. And I've done a couple of stories about him and uh, posted uh, different little tidbits, you know, including a little video of backpacking with him where he was foraging and we're camping on the, what was the, what was the term? Blue Shito? Blue Shito. <laughs> The, the blue tarps, I mean, we're like under the blue tarp, kind of having in that experience of camping and foraging and cooking. And indeed, I mean, he was like incredibly uh, good at just cooking with the natural foods that uh, that, that he found. So that's, uh, 
you know, those are a couple of the names that some of our listeners will recognize. And then, of course, I think uh, Adam has, a, or Adam's son, Adam Tran, has a good report on his website right now, Tinkata Fisher. Um, have you written anything yet, uh, Adam Tran? I, I just started uh, yesterday working on my first uh, post for my for my blog. I've I've put I put one nice post on uh, Appalachian Tenkara Anglers Group. I think on Facebook about kind of ten my top ten record uh, recognized things from my Japan trip. Sorry, I didn't say that with great English, but that that's kind of what it is. Um, and uh, that was kind of fun. And I'm going to expand on that and post it up on my blog, and I'll try and share that around a little bit too, of as many photos as I can. And uh, you know, it, it, it was great to have a camera along and be able to take some notes and, and just you know, I'm definitely going to share all that as much as I can. And for those of you who are listening to this episode of the Tenkara Cast, I'll put the uh, some notes on this episode's page. If you go to tenkariose.com forward slash podcast and you look for this episode's uh, page, you know, it's going to be something with the two Adams, you know, in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll make sure to put links to their websites and try to get some photos from you guys if you don't mind sharing some. And uh, You have my permission, just take them as you need. Thanks. And I'll make sure to put links to your complete stories on your websites and wherever you're posting them i think it's really fun to to see you know those things as well um yeah uh, you know i think it's uh so i always try to make that as a resource but how did you guys uh get around so like you know we get a lot of questions of people that are just about to go to japan and they contact me saying like can you recommend us to you know anybody there can you put us in touch with a guide. I mean, I get a lot, a fair number of questions and it's a little bit challenging because Japan doesn't have really a guiding culture. It's really hard. There's not that many people that you can hire as guides. Adam Chan, but, can I, can I take this and lead into you? You bet you can. Yes. Okay. I've, I've been twice and I'm from a city that does not have trains. We, we're, our city is horrible. It's, it's big. It's huge. Everybody has a car. And it's not a very well-planned city. So I'm uh, sort of unfamiliar with trains. We have, you know, one light railway. And then it just, you know, it's back and forth across the city. So I'm a little intimidated by taking trains. But uh, Adam Chan picked out a nice um, uh, hotel at the end of the railway, uh, the uh Skyliner uh, train from Narita Airport into Ueno, which is about 40 or 50 minutes by uh, train. And literally, you get on the train um, at the station at the airport, which is, you know, just a quick walk. You get on the train, and then you ride the 40 or 50 minutes, whatever it is. And then when you get off the train, it's less than a minute walk to this hotel. Yeah, you're across the street. You're literally across the street. I mean, you could hold your breath and still make it. And uh, so he picked out a good hotel um, right off the bat. And then I did not realize that I was uh, run around so much in my trips before that I really missed the lesson on, and how to navigate uh, the trains while I was over there. And it came to me watching Adam Chan um, you know, go up and, and pick his, his ticket that he's from New York and he's used to, you know, 
using the train system. You just go up, you select the uh, language, <laughs> uh, you select the, the fare, and uh, you buy your ticket, and you go. And it's in conjunction with your phone. You use uh, Google Maps in the transit uh, portion of the Google Maps on your smartphone, and it becomes extremely easy. And I'll have to say that uh, Adam Chan, he didn't give me a class, but I just watched him. And, you know, I'm a kind of a person that does well with uh, see one, do one, teach one. So I, I learned a lot by him not helping me, by me just watching him, you know, navigate the, uh, the system. So I learned passively. And uh, Adam Chun, this is probably a good place for you to jump in. Sure. Thank, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, it's funny. because We, we talked I, about that. We talked. Yeah. We told you. Yeah, we, we did. Totally. It's funny. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to think about it through that lens because I, I didn't really think about that because I've always been from New York. So for me, when I went there last year, it was the same thing. I just I bought you. Actually, here's the trick for anyone uh, who wants to know. It, it's not a trick. You just go to the, the booth as soon as you get off the, the flight to rent a Wi-Fi device for, I don't know, around $8, $9 a day. I think it comes out to all said and done. And that gives you Wi-Fi connection for no extra charge the whole time you're there. So you can just then connect your phone to it and treat it like you're using your phone in the United States because it'll tell you in English which train to get on and whatnot. And then all you have to do is look at the signs in the station, which luckily almost all have English. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it just it was doable. So we did that because you know cabs are very very expensive, uh, and we took a few, and we were like, "Whoa, that was that was a lot for not that much of a trip." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think that's actually a very valuable tip. The Wi-Fi hotspot, you know, renting it, you can actually. There's a bunch of websites that you can rent ahead of time, and you get there and you pick it up. But it's uh, you can do it there, and it's that was the first time I did it was this year. Where I rented a device for the whole time, and oh, it was you did so, it too, yeah, yeah, it's so worth it. Because um, then you get an app, and it tells you the subways and shows your map where you are and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's very good advice. Yeah, the, uh, the first um, the first night I got there, you know, I'm in Tokyo and I, I can't sleep, and I have a, a friend here, John Sachin who saw me log in to Facebook and he's like, go right now. You got to go to Tsukiji fish uh, market. I'm like, John, you know, I just got here and he's like, no, you got to go now. It's two 30 in the morning in Tokyo. So, you know, I listened to him and uh, I took a cab and the cab was, I think it was like $30 for a three mile trip uh, to Tsukiji. And, uh, you know, I went and experienced the, the you know the grading of the the sushi and the the, the auction and the whole thing. It's a, an amazing one of my favorite uh, memories of this visit. And uh, I decided to walk home, and the the three mile walk was you know no big deal, but it was thirty dollars for a cab. I think that's with uh, penalty after hours too. So cabs are expensive, trains are not. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's, uh, I felt so stupid one time. Actually, that made into the video of my trip with uh, Sebata-san where I get to this place that, you know, I take like, I'm super exhausted. I just get off the plane and I take like three or four different train rides to get 
to where we're going to meet, it was kind of a long ways. I mean, you have to go from the airport to Tokyo, and I'm just completely exhausted. And then I'm supposed to find his address for the magazine uh, headquarters. And this is like eight or nine o'clock at night or something. And I'm just about to fall asleep, right? And uh, trying to figure out exactly where it is. And I can't really seem to find it. So I hail a cab. And it was like the cab actually drove around. (laughs) It was so stupid because the cab literally drove around the block. He didn't know exactly where the address was. So he stopped and the meter is running. And he goes out and asks somebody like, where can I find this? And... And I realized it was like right behind us and he kind of drove back a little bit and dropped me off. And it's literally like a one around the block trip, almost like a 360 degree around the block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was right next to it, but I couldn't find exactly the, the little place. Yep. And I think it cost me like $8 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I felt uh, very silly for that one. I wish I had the Wi-Fi kind of, you know, hotspot then on that trip. <laughs> yeah, integral to um, the trip is, you know, Wi-Fi is not free there. You you have to have uh, a device to connect to it. There's just very limited uh, internet connection unless you buy, in a, you know, a phone plan or something like that. Now let's talk about besides Tokyo, you know, which is where most people would probably first arrive. Uh, in terms of getting around and fishing in Japan, do you guys have any advice? Uh, maybe start with Adam-san about um, how can somebody actually fish in Japan? What do you think is the best way to to get there and go fishing? I, it's a it's a tough one for for me. I can only tell my experience, and that is uh, you know essentially making friends. Uh, for me, it's about uh, my website. It started out with my website and then um, moving on to uh, social media. But um, you'll somebody will you know like what you do and you start friendships that way. And it's usually an English-speaking um, friend. So um, w- with myself, yeah, becoming friends with someone who is over there is uh is you know as important to me i believe now that i could uh do it on my own it would be a lot more difficult um i believe i could do it but it's much more efficient to go with someone to share the experience and to you know share the cost the tolls are super expensive if you're in a car and you're going across you know 100 miles your toll may be you know 60 80 dollars yeah, that was very interesting. So, so to you know to share the expenses uh, with another person, you know that's that's important. And there there are enough people over there that are pretty vocal about trying to help you. In our case, uh, I think uh, Isaac Tate of uh, Fallfish Tenkata. He is uh, you know I'm not exactly sure of the where he's at and if it's a business, but he's sort of a, the man on the scene over there, an English speaking guy. And, uh, he, I'm sure he'd be happy to take or meet someone, um, if he can, if his schedule allows to go fishing. So for me, it's meeting with people. And if you, you can have an idea of where you want to go here. Um, like the guidebook that I gave you, Daniel, Mm-hmm. Um, there was some good information in there, but it's all about uh, Japanese and understanding you know, where you want to go and having a plan. Yeah, 
Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, what I started telling people more often than not is, uh, you know, join one of the Facebook groups, like Tenkata Anglers is fairly active or one of the forums online and, you know, see, you know, maybe mention that you're going to Japan. If somebody is available, they might get back to you. But developing a relationship over a longer term like you do is, you know, probably the best way. And I'm going to make sure to put a uh, link to Isaac Tate's uh, website, Fallfish yeah. Tenkara. You know, he's one of the, I mean, as I mentioned, a guiding culture is not really existing in Japan. Um you know, just and just a little advice for anybody listening. You know, if you do strike a friendship, and you, know, you, you can't really hire a friend to take you fishing, no. but if you're lucky enough to connect with somebody, um, just bring them a very nice gift. You know, and uh, enjoy the experience, and and they're doing it because they enjoy it too. But uh, do make sure to, you know, Japan is a big gift giving culture, so it's uh, it's kind of important, I think, to mention yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, developing relationships is probably the best way. You know, even for, did you guys have much experience? I was curious about uh, in terms of buying fishing licenses, or in, do you have to really do much when you're we, fishing we with your host? Situation actually with that. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, we we actually at both both times went in at like dawn. I mean, like really early, like five thirty six ish. And the fishing ticket areas were closed. So they – I don't know if they took care of it for us after or uh, had arranged it ahead of time with, with maybe Sabata-san or somebody. Uh, one of the days I think they said it would be fine because if there was a patrol, you pay on the spot. It's different yeah. here. It's not like, oh, we caught you. Here's a ticket. It's like, oh, hey, like do you have a ticket? Uh, so sorry. If not, like would you like to buy one? Yeah, sure. We'd like to buy one. So they said that's kind of how it worked on the river system we were on. That's a good way of putting that. So, so yeah. it's, it, I, we didn't actually have to last year. However, we went to an office, uh, and and there was like a fishing ticket office, and it had this crazy wall of people who had just totally raped the river of you know a hundred, a hundred and fifty fish a day, and it was a competition of who could take the most fish, and all of them were being kept. I mean, it was unbelievable. So the people I was fishing with have a very different opinion of mm-hmm. how to fish, and Tenkara for them plays into. Uh, you know, catch and release a lot. Uh, it's not so much like Karyu, which is often associated with taking so many fish. So it was a, an interesting experience, very different this year than, than last year about where I was fishing. So for yeah. those that aren't following along, each river system uh, re- typically requires a, uh, a local fishing license and, you know, of a day or a couple of days. But it's not like one license for all of Japan or for one island. It's literally navigating a system of finding the license for that river or uh, stream where you're fishing. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's logistically probably the most challenging thing of fishing on your own in Japan is because like every, as, as you mentioned, it's like each area and it's like sometimes it's a watershed, sometimes it's a branch of a river has its own license. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's incredibly confusing and without like a local person, it can be really, really hard. But I think to Adam Chan's point, you know, like at one point I uh, I was actually fishing with one of the river patrols, you know, and these are mostly volunteers and, you know, they go around and, uh, but yeah, it's not like you're not going to get fined in jail you know, uh, if you don't have a license. It might be a little bit more expensive. I've heard, you know, like the, the one time that I was fishing with a patrol, 
and he found a couple of guys that didn't have licenses. It was like he was super friendly to them. It was not like a there's no animosity. It's like, you know, just because I think they understand it can be challenging. Um, and they had to pay like on the spot and it was an extra couple on a couple of dollars, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard like of another place, if you do get caught, it doubles your ticket. So usually a day license is roughly 10 bucks. Um, so maybe you'll pay 20 bucks, but I think, uh, I'm kind of realizing if I were to go on my own and I can't find it, I'll probably just fish and (laughs) deal with it. Ask for forgiveness. Exactly. Or finding information. It's, it's not ideal, you know, not my main recommendation, but it's, uh, you know, make sure you have a couple of bucks with you. (laughs) Yeah. Have some cash on you. They're not going to take credit cards. They're not going to have Square up in the rivers. <laughs> yeah, and there there are some options too for for people who like. Okay, so it's it's a similar situation for me where I, I made friends through the internet through a couple of different methods. Actually, uh, through multiple people who connected me in different countries in Italy and Japan. It's great, but um, not everybody has has the ability to do that. Or maybe you just want to go there for a day or two. Isaac actually is a guide, Isaac Tate. He, he guides not just Tenkara, but he guides outdoor trips, climbing trips, skiing trips. So I think he, he focuses mostly on foreigners through his military base and their connections there. Uh, but, but he's available for hire for that. Um, you know, there are other uh, fishermen or masters uh, also who you can hire uh, as a guide, which, which we did not need to do, which was very, very uh, awesome. Um, at the same time, you can do that, and, and that will help you. And I recommend you do that because I hear that that includes often being picked up from the train station and email. Uh, you can email with them and, and get instructions about how to get there. So you know it may cost you a little bit, but but that's worth someone's you know effort and time to to help you out. And and you shouldn't be shy. I think about taking advantage of that because these are nice people and they they know a lot and they can show you a great time too. Yeah, I think the most, the biggest challenge there is uh, I wish there was, a, and I've been trying to recruit a few people and let them know that there's a demand for guiding services. And, you know, it uh, because it is not really a part of the culture, you know, in the mainland of Japan to, you know, get paid to fish, it's um, kind of hard to find those resources. But, uh, well, Daniel, yeah. Can, I'd like to, I know we're at about 50 minutes. There's a couple of things that I think you would like to know that I would like to talk about. Would that yes, be okay? please. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I want to make sure I respect your time because we're talking late at night and, uh, you know, it's uh, everybody's kind of got something to do. So, if you, you know, let me know if uh, we're running a little too long. But, yes, please, Adam Sen. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that uh, Adam Chan wants to talk about this, too. And uh, basically it's about um, – I, I want to, uh, again, tell you I really appreciate you – for introducing me to uh, Tenkara and um, Japanese, uh, you know, Japanese Tenkara. Um, the Batasan, the way that you have portrayed him is excellent. He's a very kind soul, a forager. But when he was young, he was a badass. Oh, this yeah. man <laughs> is a climber, fisher. Mm-hmm. He We've seen some video of him now, and I, I've shared some video with you of him when he was younger. But we were in the Bancho, and we saw some pretty amazing stuff that he was, he was, uh, we were, you know, in his presence and him showing us these videos that were produced in Japan that are just on a different level of uh, fishing than 
we know in our media, uh, more on the level of like the Sawana Glory, the shower climbing with a uh, fishing rod and amazing places where you can catch these fish in the side of a cliff and a little pool. Mm-hmm. But he would, uh, he, you know, climbing and uh, with a rope and tying a rope on a rock and then throwing the rock up above and wedging, wedging it. That was snowballer. <laughs> yeah. And then just climbing, you know, up the rope to the next pool and catching fish. He is something. He is the number one guy as far as hardcore climbing and fishing that I have seen. You 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 touch on it. Uh, yeah, I Daniel, you you touch on it, but this guy's done it and it's what, I don't know how many decades ago it was, but well, you know, 20 you know, years ago, I take a lot of inspiration from him and like some yes. of the stuff that I've seen. And it was not even until it was not that long ago that he was really doing some of his very hardcore kind of almost like what I really enjoy doing, like mixing climbing and fishing. Right. Um, you know, it's uh, I think in Japan, there's a little bit better opportunities for that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, like I think it was about three or four years ago that he came up with some kind of sickness. It might have been pneumonia or something that kind of took the wind out of him a little bit but um i remember i think it was maybe six seven years ago dr shigaki was telling me that just a few weeks before sabata san like you know took him somewhere and they had like they had to jump this this gap on uh where the river ran but if you fell it'd fall like 100 or 200 feet or something and yeah. you know yeah. dr shigaki was just kind of telling me about this big trip and he couldn't really you know, shigaki is not a uh, but this is like you know very recent uh, where he was doing this really not gnarly stuff for sure. So right. I'm glad you bring that up. Is uh, yeah, here's something. Yeah, it it made it made chills go down my spine actually when you just brought that up. It's kind of funny watching sitting there in Bancho watching those VHS videos on that old TV with them. And by the way, it's worth mentioning. So it, it we mentioned how it rained and so we got back to Bancho and it was raining. So another party showed up that was unscheduled and uh, they, they, I guess they had been camping and they didn't want to deal with being out there. And uh, they showed up and it ended up being the, the ex-editor or CEO of KRU Magazine and, and some of oh. his crew. Uh, so they showed up. So we were at one at the big table and they had a separate table but in the same room were, were these, these guys. And we were all around Sabata watching the video and it was like – one crew like like uh, Ishi San and, and Kura San and, and their their friends and and uh, Keiichi San and some of his friends and it was Sabata and some of his friends and and then it was these people and it was us from the U.S. and it was just this epic moment of like like Sabata essentially bringing this all together Sabata San bringing yeah. this all together uh, excuse me uh, and 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 I think that he he's a a, a figure who's a, a, a person who brings people together uh and that's a, he's a special person and and he man the things that he could do adam described it perfectly i hope we get to see those they talked about hopefully getting that licensed and and i think they're going to work on that and maybe we'll be able to, to download and, and buy a couple of these videos i hope so that'll be cool yeah that'll be uh very very cool actually um yeah and you know without taking too much of your time i want to make sure it's been almost an hour that i've kept you guys um but i was uh curious a little bit about uh you know like 
so both of you guys have visited Japan a couple of times. A few other people have gone. Um, you know, it's a, I want to say there's a wave of Americans going to to Japan to fish. But uh, have you guys talked to anybody there? Like, what are they? Do you have any idea what they're thinking? Like, or, or like, why are these people coming here? Or any? Uh, <laughs> what What are well, they thinking of people they, taking up Tenkara and then even going there? I guess they like their type of fishing being, uh, you know adopted in other places they, they like it that we do this and they want to spread it and um adam chan maybe you can talk more about it they're you know they're sabatazan is getting older and the guys that we were with they were you know my age 50, 40s 50s and uh you know they want to spread it and keep this going and you know it's important because you know, younger people have to get into it in order for it to be carried on. They were uh, very happy that we were there. They know what we're doing right now is what they want to happen. They want us to spread it. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into the intricacies of what we're doing versus what they're doing. But what they do in their fishing, these uh, Ginru anglers is a whole lot different than getting out of the car and, you know, hiking a, a mile relatively flat and, you know, just fishing. They're, you know, mixing a little bit more of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, shower climbing, a little bit of, you know, climbing and, and you know, hardcore hiking. And, but they, they want to share it and they want it out there. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good way of saying it. I think that um, they're intrigued with what's going on here, and they definitely are watching uh, what's going on here as well. They they look to it. I think they know there's the power for some to sell uh, rods and and uh, equipment and and stuff like that. For others, there's uh, the, just a, a, a love, as Adam said, of it, of it being expanded and kept alive, and that's huge. Um, and I think that uh, you know some things that I noticed when I was in Japan is that. Uh, when I was there this year uh, and last year, part of my focus in in going was not just to go fishing because there's you know frankly there's places I could fly here for cheaper that are that are different, not as cool, but that that I could catch way more fish in, uh, like Colorado for example. But but that's not why you go. And and going there, uh, part of the reason was about understanding Tenkara. Like I wanted to know more about okay, what is this thing that we're doing here? you know, what is it in Japan? Why is it? Uh, and that's what I was watching for. And I learned a lot about that. And I think that, you know, there are different factions and different groups, but, uh, there is a thing that is Tenkara that is like, it's almost like terroir in wine. And I wish I, I could explain that to everyone so they maybe they'd understand, but it's like You've a place. that for eight years. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a place and a time and a, and a climate and it makes a wine a thing. But yeah. it, that's what Tenkara is. It's like it's like a, a time and a group of people and a place and a thing. And that place is 80% mountains. And those people are, are interested in fishing, not just for catching the most fish, uh, not just for the sake of fishing. And there's a style that they use that, uh, that has similarities across uh, Japan. And that's interesting to learn about and watch. And I can't wait to do that more. Yeah, that's well put. And, uh, you know, as we wrap up, uh, do you guys have uh, some plans to go back anytime in the near future? Um, two or three years for myself, I'll take my uh, little son, Noah. I want to introduce him to international travel and uh, Japanese tenkara. 
So that was uh, my excuse to go for the next trip. Um, I'm married and, you know, I'm still married, happily married. And these trips are, they're a little expensive, uh, but it's more about, you know, for me as a married person, being away from my wife, she has no interest in fishing up a river valley <laughs> in a foreign land. So, but my next trip, two, two to three years, and I'm already starting to loosely plan it and save and, you know, that sort of thing. And I figure I'll probably go every two or three years. That's what I can afford, and, and that's what I can do to get away from my job. What about you, Adam Chan? Any plans to go back? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I haven't yet made an exact plan when I'll be able to do it next, but I am all in. You know, definitely will be going back. I, I hope to do it, if not next year, the year after, you know, maybe whenever I can put it together. Because honestly, it's just really, you know, even if you took, I, I hate to say this, even if you took the fishing, the Tenkara fishing out of it, Japan is still an amazing place. Yes. And, you know, it's it's more than... Uh, than just fishing. It's about the people you meet and, and the culture you see and the amazing sights. It's like uh, being uh, totally overwhelmed, your senses in every way. So my recommendation is go with an open mind. Well, excellent, guys. Well, it was, it was uh, an incredible pleasure to talk to you both about this very recent trip that you had as Adam's son, Adam Tran, uh, put on a message to me earlier. It's good that we're doing this right now so that your memories hopefully are still fresh and it seems like they are. So I Appreciate you making the time in your busy uh, evenings here to, uh, to chat about it. And um, and hopefully our listeners will have enjoyed the conversation. But, you know, the conversation can keep on going. I'm going to post a uh, link to both of your websites. If anybody has any questions, you can find it on the tenkariusa.com forward slash podcast. And you can probably connect easily with uh both Adams uh, yes. online on Facebook and so forth. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to the Tenkara Cast. I'd like to extend a special thank you to Nick Ogawa, also known as Takenobu. Check out his music at takenobumusic.com. We'll be posting links to any references we made in this podcast, such as Takenobu's music, on our website, www.tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast. And until next time on the Tenkara Cast.